just you've got a message on purpose. Love it. Yeah, okay, it's, it's gonna good. be amazing. Good. Yeah. Thank you. Wow, what an awesome group you are. When I was receiving my uh, notification on, um, you know, the places where I would serve this weekend, uh, this was listed as a uh, school of the supernatural on the subject of purpose. So that's what I prepared for. But I could share on something else. So that's why I'm trying to put my spiritual antennas up here right now. And how many of you would like to hear a word on purpose? How many of you would prefer to hear about the replenishment anointing? <laughs> well, just let me, let me find some things in my notes then, see if I can find a file. Um, might take me a moment. In the meantime, why don't you just turn to your person next to you and, and give some more thanksgiving for for all that God has done in your life. Amen. It was really funny. I had this heart to share on replenishment. And um, I thought, but no, I've got to share on, on um, uh, purpose. But they're both really great subjects. There we go. I think I found it. Okay, well, let's, let's go with this and see how it goes. I haven't reviewed it, but it's just stirring, stirring in my heart right now. So, Father, I just thank you so much for tonight and, and for all that you want to impart to your people, Lord God. We just want to draw close to you. We want to devour and digest every single thing that comes from your heart for us in this hour. And so orchestrate the revelation of your word and insights that you want us to have in this hour that we might live in the supernatural dimension of the kingdom of God successfully in this hour in Jesus' name. So the theme for this weekend has been wealth with God and, and just about his, his kingdom, his righteousness, his glory. I mean, isn't it great that we get to serve God in this way? It's just beautiful, isn't it? And earlier when we were um, instructed to share with one another the things that we're thankful for, that is so powerful. And any morning that you wake up and you feel a little bit heavy or throughout your day or, or in the evening before you go to bed, if you're feeling a little bit heavy, just you just start thinking about all the things that you're thankful for. Offer God thanksgiving and just make a list. Count your blessings. Name them one by one, right? And start proclaiming them. And I guarantee you that you'll rise up into faith right away. It's just the way it works. You start praising God and it changes the atmosphere. It literally changes the atmosphere. Paul and Silas, when they were in prison, they'd been beaten. You understand that they were they were put into jail for, for just doing what was right. Right. But they were beaten, they were abused, they were thrown into the inner part of the prison. Some of you feel like you've been thrown in there from time to time. And then they locked the door on them and kept them in there with no visible means of escape except God. And so they didn't have a bad attitude or anything. They weren't like a victim mentality saying, oh, man, I've served the Lord so fervently, and look at this is all I get. I'm in shackles, and I'm, and I'm bound hand and foot in the middle of a prison, all beaten up and nowhere to go. No, 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 they didn't go there. They, they praised God. 
It said that they praised God. And at midnight, there was an earthquake, and it shook the whole prison, and all the prison doors were open. All the captives were set free. All the shackles came off of everyone because an environment of heaven came into the prison because of praise, because of praise. And so everyone was set free. It was just amazing what God did in that hour. And the jailer, he was like freaking out because he's thinking he's going to be unemployed. And he's saying, no, 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 don't worry about a thing. We got you. He gets saved. His family gets saved. And God's glory was in the whole place. And the same Lord, the same God that shook, shook that dark place for them and set them free is the same God who is with you. And your thanksgiving and your praise will change the atmosphere. And it will shift things for you. And I feel like this word is for someone in particular tonight that you have been going through what you feel is your personal hell in a season that's been so challenging and so difficult. And the Lord has such compassion for you. He just wants you to know his freedom and his love and praise will help unlock all that glory of heaven and bring heaven into your situation. I remember as a young Christian, there was a... um, there was an evangelist that was on the radio. And his thing was that he would always open his program by saying, praise the Lord, 10 times. And I would set my alarm, um, my clock alarm. Back, back then, you know, it was like the, the latest and the greatest, you know. And it would go off to the radio, and this preacher would be on there saying, And now we'll say, praise the Lord, come on 10 times, praise the Lord. And he would do it right over the the, uh, radio. And um, of course, when you're just waking up in the morning, you know, and you're going ding, 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 and it's praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I mean, I was cynical one morning, and I was lying there, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But after about the third time, I actually felt energized, I felt happy, I felt connected to God. I thought, this really works, even when you have a bad attitude. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And so praise really works. And I, how many of you believe that word is for you right now? Uh, Yeah, I I felt it. Actually, stand to your feet, because I'm going to break, I'm going to break the cycle that you've been in. There's been a cycle that you've been in. Well, I mean, just those who were relating to the word. Is that all of you? Okay, (laughs) it's yours, okay? Okay, we're going to just break the cycle of this this oppression, of this prison that you've been in, and you're coming out. It's a new day. Come on, start praising him. Praise the Lord. 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 Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And in the name of Jesus Christ right now, I break the power of this cycle of oppression and bondage over your people. And I decree and declare, it is a new day. All things have passed away. All things are becoming new. It is a new path, a new path in Jesus' name. Do you accept that? Say yes and amen. Praise the Lord for it. Thank him ahead of time for the manifestation of it. That was fun. Woo. Okay, so 
I want you to imagine something. Imagine that you just wrote checks on your bank account and emptied the whole thing out. How many of you relate to doing that at times? And all of a sudden, you go to the ATM and it gives you a balance that is completely replenished and more. How many of you would like that? A supernatural intervention from God that replenishes what you take out is replenished back. What about this one? You sacrifice your time to serve a friend in need and then discover that your time was replenished supernaturally so that you have abundance of hours to spare now in order to fulfill your own desires. How many of you would like that? A replenishment of your time. And what about this one? You spend your strength on serving the Lord and others, and right when you're feeling like emptied out, you're thinking, whoa, I don't think I have anything else left in me. A fresh wave of strength immediately fills you and replenishes and even gives you more strength. How many of you would like that? Well, that is available to you. That is available to you. And I want to talk about this replenishment aspect of God's kingdom. He is a replenisher. In Genesis 1:27 and 28, it says that you've been made in the image and the likeness of God. And then he said to us, after we were created, he said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. We have the power to replenish within us. You have the power to release replenishment. When you see things decreasing, you can speak replenishment. And everything can be restored and more. And we just heard a wonderful message last night out of the book of Job, that even Job had the restoration of all things to double, including his children, which was awesome. That was a great revelation. And on Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. So God wants to release a revelation to you tonight of replenishment. Now, one of the reasons why we as believers love just aligning with God and receiving all that he has to give us and stewarding the revelation that he gives well is because when we do that, when we take ownership of revelation in the word, not only is it our revelation, but it's supernaturally sent down through the generation lines to our children and our grandchildren, and they live in the blessing of that revelation. So if any of you, this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but if any of you have children who are not serving the Lord right now, but you've got a revelation of walking with the Lord with all your heart, loving him with all your heart, mind and strength, with walking in godly behavior and that, if you have the revelation of that, you can be assured that your children and your grandchildren are going to get it. You say, yeah, but you don't understand. They're atheists, not for long. See, that promises to you. When you believe the promise, it starts activating in your life. Do you know all the promises of God are yes and amen to every believer? But not every believer will enjoy them because they haven't received it by faith. I love, I'm a foodie. I love food. And I'm very happy to find out that heaven is full of it. They have banquets and parties. And 
I'm really happy about that. And uh, there's whole feasts. In fact, God, he loves feasts. In fact, he loves parties so much that he made a whole bunch of them law in the Old Testament. Everyone had to show up to his feast, and they all had to have a good time. That was the thing. So our God is a, he is a, he is a hospitality God. And so anyways, I feel vindicated in my passion for food. Can't become your God, though. Amen? But I love food, and, and I really love buffets, because buffets are like, wow, especially if you get a really good quality one. You know, not the kind with the soup kitchen type buffets, but the real good quality one. So we were in Vegas this one time, and the pastor took us out to a buffet um, in between the meals, and it had, like that night, you could order filet mignon, scampi, like you could... Just order basically whatever you want. All you had to do is tell them how you wanted it cooked. And there was everything else lined up. I mean, it was just wonderful. But the thing about a buffet is that everything is set for you on that table. It's all yours. It all has your name on it once you're in through the gate. When you pay the ticket to go through that gate, it's all yours. You can eat as much of it as you want, and you can choose what you want to eat and choose what you don't want to eat. It's all yours. It all has your name on it once you pay for the ticket. But do you know that you could actually starve inside of a buffet? Now, back in the day, back in, you know, prior to COVID and other things, Vegas used to have some buffets that were 24-7. They would just be open all the time. You could actually stay in there and just eat and eat and eat and eat and just stay there and, you know, I don't know, play cards in between or something and eat and eat and eat. And, um, and, and, just, and just be replenished in your appetite the whole time, right? Because it's all yours. But you could actually starve in the buffet if you chose not to fill your plate. Because the nature of the buffet is that all the food's been cooked for you. It's been prepared for you. It's laid out for you. But you have to fill your plate. So when you go through the door, they sit you down at the table. And you have to get up and get your meal. It's all done for you. You just have to receive it and then eat it. And then you can eat some more and some more and some more, as much as you want, whatever you want. Now, there could be someone going there and say, I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. Oh, if only I could have something to eat. I'm so hungry. And the, the hostess will say, well, there's food all over the place here. We know we have salads. We have, we have bread and spread. We have filet mignon and scampi. And the person can say, oh, Scampi. You know, even if I just had a little morsel, just a little morsel of food, I would be happy. You don't have to have a little morsel. You can have as much as you want, says the hostess. And this hungry little client says, oh, you don't understand how, how hungry I am. Well, go eat. We have a whole dessert bar, everything. Dessert. Oh. Just a little dry crumb of bread would be fine. I just want to fill my little hunger here. You see the attitude? You know where I'm going with this. Jesus paid the price for us to go to the banquet table. His blood on the cross of Calvary cut a covenant between God and man that includes everyone who believes in him. And he set the whole banquet feast. It's already set. And all the food is on the table. And nothing has been spared. Nothing. 
And yet so many Christians are starving because they don't go to the banquet feast. It's all there, but they don't use their faith to receive it. And when you go and take the food and put it on your plate, that's a faith action. It's a faith action. And you can do that with every promise that is in the word because God has already given it. When you have a relationship with your heavenly father and you draw close to him, I guarantee you, he will tell you, oh, my child, let me show you all that has your name on it. And he will, he will reveal every time, every time you open the word, you will find in it what is on that banquet table for you. Every single thing. And we have to learn to live supernaturally because you might say, well, yes, but. But in the kingdom, there's no but. There isn't any but. If God said it, we believe it, that settles it, right? It just settles it. If God says it, that's final authority. If he says he's given you life in abundance, he means it. If he says he's given you power, dunamis power, that dunamis power, do a study on it. It's amazing. It not only includes miracle working power, supernatural power, but it talks about excellence of character. He's given that to us. Have we partnered with that excellence of character? Or are we still connected to the slop of the old nature that lacks integrity and is immoral and stuff like that? That's not who we are. Because God gave us his character, his nature. And it also means, that word also means the power that is released through wealth. That's what he's given. He says, when you get the Holy Ghost, you get dunamis power. When you have the Holy Spirit, you have access to everything in the kingdom of God. I tell you, that's why we're the head and not the tail. That's why COVID doesn't scare us. That's why when we see Wall Street plummeting or whatever, it doesn't move us. The world system is so fickle, it will go up one moment, down the next. You cannot guarantee that the world system will serve you well. Because one day the whole thing could crash, which is, ta-da! Now the kingdom will be seen for what it is. Because the kingdom structures do not fail, they do not shake, they do not come down. They're, they're, they're strong, they're stable. The economy is stable for all economy, for all eternity. <laughs> That's kingdom economy. It's kingdom wealth. And it includes everything in life. It includes your peace, your shalom. It includes your health. It includes your strength. As your days are, so shall your strength be. You don't have to say, oh my goodness, I'm, you know, I just turned 70 this year, and I can barely, but after all, I'm 70. No, as your, as your days are, so shall your strength be. You can be 120 and still be hopping out of bed. Amen? Because that's what you're promised in the word. And the more you give out, the more it gets replenished. It just gets replenished if you have faith for it. Do you have faith for it? Is there anyone in the house with faith tonight? Is there anyone in the house who will believe God? Believe his promises. Is there anyone in this house who will say, yes, I'm with the Lord and everything that he says he'll give to me, I'm going to contend for that with my faith. I'll fight the good fight of faith. If the devil throws doubt and unbelief at me, I'm just going to knock him down because I'm going with God. And when you persevere in your faith, it manifests. It will manifest. I've come to know that. So we want to steward 
the revelation, the treasures that we find in God's word. Because Hebrews 4, 12 in the Amplified says, For the word of God is living, it is active, it is full of power, making it operative, energizing, and effective. Amen? Okay, turn to your Bibles right now to uh, Mark. We're going to look at a replenishment miracle. I want to show you how to work a replenishment miracle. It's very clear in the scripture. It's just amazing. When my eyes feasted on this years ago, I thought, whoa, this is so awesome. Okay, Mark 6, 33. This is a miracle of the 5,000 being fed by Jesus. But I want to show you something here. It says, the people um, saw them going, and many recognized them and ran there together on foot from all the cities and got there ahead of them, the disciples. And when Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. And when it was already quite late, his disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate, and it is already quite late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go look. And when they found out, they said, five loaves, two fish. And he commanded them all to sit down by groups on the green grass. And they sat in groups of hundreds and of fifties. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves. And he kept giving to the disciples, to set them before them. And he divided up the two fish among them, and they all ate, and they were satisfied. And then they picked up 12 full baskets of the broken pieces and also of the fish. And there were 5,000 men who ate the loaves. Wow, a recorded, documented miracle. I love it. So let's unpack it a bit. First of all, there's people who have been sitting listening to Jesus all day long. And the disciples have compassion for them. They look on them and they think, wow, these people, they've been here all day. They're hungry. They need to get something to eat. They might, you know, pass out for, you know, dehydration or not having enough food or something. So they came up with a compassionate idea. But sometimes even our compassion isn't necessarily aligned with God's plan, okay? It's a good beginning, but sometimes if we have to use our compassion to create our own way, we could actually, you know, miss the miracle. So they go to Jesus and said, let's send them away so that they can go find themselves some food. Great idea, compassionate idea. But Jesus said, no, you, you feed them. And I'm sure that they were shocked. I'm sure that they looked out at the mass of people, 5,000 people on the side of the hill and thinking, there's 12 of us. What? We're to feed this whole multitude? And then they realized that all they had was 
handful of denarii. And that's why they said, well, Jesus, you got to help us understand this. Are we supposed to go and try to find bread to feed all these? We've only got this much money. And so they were looking at what they didn't have. And when you look at what you don't have, you won't get a miracle. Don't look at what you don't have, or you won't get your miracle. And so Jesus basically said to them, wrong answer. He said, what do you have? He said, go look. And sometimes we think we don't have anything when we really do. It's just that our perception of what we have, we think it's not enough. But even the smallest little thing could be the catalyst for your miracle. And so you don't tell God you have nothing when you really do. I remember when my husband and I were learning to live with no visible means of financial support, the Lord told us to just go to him with our needs. Don't tell anyone our needs. Don't tell anyone but him because he was training us on how to how to um, uh, labor with him in faith and belief for miracle provision. We had no idea that in the future we were going to need that level of faith for massive projects in the kingdom of God. We had no idea, but we had to go through that, that, um, that season. We've written about it in the book on the back table. It's Step into Supernatural Provision. And so we had learned how to go to God with, with our need and believe him for, for what we needed. But during that time, we had, we had battles to fight. Just because you believe God's word on a miracle doesn't say it manifests the realm right away. It will manifest, but it doesn't promise it's going to manifest right away. And so for us, we, we had a waiting period. Our patience was tested. Our faith was tested. Everything was tested. We had to believe. So in that period, in the natural, there was leanness, real leanness. And I remember being invited over to a pastor's wife's house for lunch one day. And all she did the whole lunch was complain on how little her and her husband made as far as income and what little food they had. In fact, I felt embarrassed for eating there because I thought, wow, she thinks she doesn't have enough food, and here I am eating it. She opened up her fridge, and it was loaded with food. I looked at it, and I thought, wow, I'd love to have my fridge loaded with food like that. But in her perception, she didn't have anything. She actually had way more than what she thought she had, but she was looking at what she didn't have. She wasn't looking at what she had. So Jesus was saying, what do you have? Go look. And sometimes we need eyes open to see what we actually have. Go look. <laughs> and so they came back and said, okay, we did. We went and looked. We looked all around. 5,000 people later, we've come up with five loaves. And that's just like pita bread. That's not just great big super store loaves. Even if it was, it wouldn't have fed 5,000. We're talking about little pita breads, five of them, and two little fish. And so I'm sure that they are trying to make a point in front of Jesus, saying, well, we went and looked, but, you know, this is all we have, so maybe we should just tell them to go and find some food. 
But you see, Jesus knew where he was going with this because he was connected to something way bigger than what they could see at that time. He says, I only do the things I see my father do. And he saw his father give a mandate for a heavenly divine miracle. And so he took the loaves and the fish and then another portion, um, another gospel uh, story on this very same, same um, testimony. You know, it talks about a little boy actually gave up his lunch. A little boy gave up his lunch, gave up his five loaves and his two fish. And so Jesus, he, he commands all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So what he's doing is he's preparing for his miracle. Sometimes we need to prepare for the miracle. Maybe you better open up a new bank account, prepare to fill it. Maybe prepare the ground for the next step. If you believe in what God is showing you to do, then go and prepare the ground. If you're believing for a baby, maybe prepare the nursery. What is God saying to you? For your miracle to come to pass, is there something that you can do to prepare? So he's saying, okay, let's get ready for this miracle. And he told them to, to all sit down on the grass, and he got them in groups. He sat them in groups of hundreds and of fifties. And then what he did is he took the five loaves. He took what they had. He didn't talk about what they didn't have. He didn't say at that point, oh, man, are you kidding? You check 5,000 people and you just come up with five loaves and two fish, which actually was just a little boy that gave him, can't you do better than this? He didn't say that. He took those five loaves into his hand, and he took the two fish, and then what did he do? He looked up to heaven. You see, he had his eyes on a supernatural perspective. It says in Colossians 3, verse 1, set your mind on the things above where Christ is seated. If we live with an earthly perspective, we'll never have enough. It'll never cut it. It just won't be what you need. But when you look up to heaven... And you connect with who you are as a heavenly being. You see, you're not an earthly being trying to get into heaven. You are a heavenly being living in the earth. So when you look up to heaven, you remember who you are. And so Jesus, he took the loaves and the fish in his hand, and he looked up into heaven, and he blessed the food. Now, there's a key. If you want miracle provision in your life, bless the food. Bless what is in your hand. Bless what you're offering up to God. Bless the seed. Bless it. Many people curse it. Oh, we just don't have enough. Grumbling, complaining. That's what happened with Israel when they're going through the wilderness. Do you know that that wilderness was so glorious? I've heard some people say, yeah, I'm just in my wilderness season. I thought, wow, you are so blessed. They say, no, you don't get it. I'm in my wilderness season. I said, no, I do get it. And you are so blessed. Why? Because the wilderness season, when God took the people through the wilderness toward the promised land, it was just maximum glory. They're leaving a land of oppression. You understand that. They've had heavy taskmasters. They can barely pay a bill. They barely have enough to eat. The wives are making soup with a lot of water in it. And there's just not really an abundance of anything. They're delivered from all that. They're delivered from the hard work, and they go out into the wilderness, and all of a sudden, 
Food comes down from heaven. Not only just any food. This is high-end nutritious food, as nutritious and as organic as you get it. In the earth today, we could make a fortune marketing that, right? Because it was such high quality. But the thing is, they didn't have to produce it. It just fell. And they could eat as much as they wanted to the full. As much as they wanted, they could take up. But they couldn't take enough for the next day because it would rot because God intended to give them fresh every day. Fresh every day. Whoa. And so the men, they didn't have to work for it. Do you know the men didn't work for 40 years? Not in the way that they had. And the women, they never cooked a meal. And women, they never cleaned up after a meal either. Because it was finger food. They just, you know, they didn't even eat paper plates. They just took it up off the ground and ate it. Well, it could be better. But not only that, they had God's pillar of glory, like a cloud by day and fire by night. They had him in their midst, cooling them off in the day and keeping them warm at night in the desert by his own presence, raw presence. This is God right in their midst. And when it was time to move, he just said, ta-da, and the cloud just moved forward, and they knew to pack up and follow him. And they always had him wherever they went. As long as they followed him, he, he was always there. But they murmured and complained. And they said the most stupidest things. They said, oh, back in, back in Egypt, we had leeks. We had garlic. Come on, really? You would exchange all that work, labor, sweat, and oppression for a garlic clove? When you've got manna coming from heaven, you see what was going on? They were looking at what they didn't have. And they failed to see what they did have. Count your blessings. Name them one by one, I tell you. And we have to be very careful. I remember I was on a mission field. We lived in Belize, Central America for a season. And, and when I went down there, I had been invited um, to their leadership team on this particular organization. And... Um, so I was called to the leadership team, and, and I, I thought, or what I understood, it was for evangelism. I mean, I was fired up for souls. And at that time, there was only 120,000 population in Belize. I thought, easy peasy. I mean, 120,000 people. We can get them one to the Lord in no time. But when I got down there, they decided that my leadership position would be in the kitchen, that I would be the chief cook and bottle washer the head of the whole department, which included me. I just ruled over myself. And then they told me, they said, by the way, we're giving you a faith budget. I said, a faith budget? What's a faith budget? And they said, you have to believe for the money to buy the food. Because we're a faith ministry, we don't have a budget, we can't cut you a check. You have to believe for the money to buy the food. I thought, oh, it was my first missions experience, so I thought maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> so I went to God. I said, oh, God, help me. What do I do? And I got brilliant ideas. I mean, he told me how to pick certain weeds out of the jungle and cook them. We had this guy on our team. He's called Jungle Joe. He's from, like, Mississippi or somewhere. 
And he used to kill iguanas, big lizards. And he said, back home, we call these bamboo chicken. And I said, does that mean they're edible? He said, oh yeah, oh yeah. So I got a pressure cooker and cut it up and pressure cooked it. You say, what does it taste like? It tastes like chicken. No, it didn't. It did not. It tasted like something out of the swamp. I'll just be, just be honest about that. One day I go into the freezer and he's got a snake that he caught all coiled up and I screamed, I don't like snakes. He had it all frozen in there because he wanted to keep its hide. He said, but you can, you can cook the meat. I thought, I don't think so. So I was working hard to try to make nice, nice meals. I got a real blessing. There was a rice, uh, a rice distribution place in the, close by where we were. And so I went to them and I said, is there any chance that you know, we can get some rice? Well, yeah, once a month we clean out these bins and you can have whatever is left on the bottom. So I went every month and got it. The only thing is it was full of weevils. So we had to pick them out and sort them out. Same with the flour. We got a good deal on flour. The same thing. Everything had extra protein in it. <laughs> but I learned. I learned how to work it out. But no matter how hard I tried to make these good meals, the thing is, all the food that we were mainly getting that I could work with was full of carbs. The beans and the rice and everything. And so the women, they got fat. All the women, they all got fat. And the men, they need protein to gain weight and maintain weight. And because we didn't have a lot of protein except the iguana that they hated, they got skinny. So the men hated me because they were skinny and the women hated me because they were fat and everyone was complaining about the bad food. And I was discouraged. I'm the chief cook and bottle washer. So I'm in prayer one day, and I'm, I'm making the bread, and I am crying, and streams of tears are coming down my face and falling into the bread bowl, because we didn't have salt. <laughs> and I'm making the bread, and I said, oh God, oh God, help me. Everyone hates me. I'm just doing such a bad job. What is it? Is there sin in my life? Is there a generational curse? <laughs> what is it that is going on within my life right now that is holding back the blessing? I know that you want to give all these people food, but I'm doing a terrible job. Show me what it is. And he showed me. He said, the problem is, is that there's so much murmuring and complaining in the camp that is brassing over the heavens. He said, I've got tons of provision. It's no problem. But I've got an issue here that is brassed over because everyone is murmuring and complaining. And I thought, wow, what a heavy revy that is. So I went with the flour on my hands, my apron and everything. I went up to where the others were meeting. I cooked three meals every day for over 50 people with faith budget. So I went in there and I said, hey, everyone. You know how difficult and challenging the meals have been? And they said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we know. We really know. I said, so you've noticed? Oh, yes, we've really noticed. I said, well, God just gave me the revelation on why. And they said, really? 
Why? They were in an intercession. And I said, because of your murmuring and your complaining and your lack of thanksgiving. And they all got convicted. They actually got convicted. And so they were saying, oh, please forgive me. Please forgive me, please. And I thought, oh, yes, I will graciously forgive you. Yes, I was really happy because they were being put in their place by God. No, not really. I'm just, <laughs> it was actually very awkward. But anyways, we shifted things in the spirit that day. I went back and finished the lunch, rice and beans. And that day, everything changed. The attitude changed. Because they were thankful. They'd pick up a little bean. They were going a little bit overboard saying, Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing bean. Thank you for these grains of rice. Thank you, Lord. You know, and all of a sudden you could feel a breakthrough in the spirit. And the atmosphere in the camp totally was different. There was no more grumbling and complaining. There was only thanksgiving and honor. It was beautiful. And even if nothing changed after that time, it would have been worth it just to live in that atmosphere of blessing rather than the atmosphere of curse. But then what happened is the heavens opened. And it was within 24 hours or so, these two Belizean cowboys came in on their horses, pulling this great big cow behind them. And the cow was full of milk. And they said, our master, he was a rancher, our master told us to come and you, he wants to give you this cow. And so we, we had a cow. And that cow gave us milk. Now, I don't know how many of you have milked a cow before, but it's not as easy as you think. We had to learn how to milk old Bessie. But she gave us so much milk. We made cheese. We made whipped cream. We made butter. We had milk. It was just beautiful. And then the next day, a couple of other Belizeans came from a Christian um, meat market in town. The owner was a Christian. He said, our master told us to come and tell you that he wants to give you 15 kilos so that's about, what, 35 or 40 pounds of hamburger every single week. Now, up to that time, we hadn't had hamburger. We had had iguana. <laughs> and once a month, I would pray up a storm. I would fast and pray and believe God that I could get some chicken for the love feast that we had once, once a month. And on that love feast, you see, our, our kitchen, our dining room was outside under a thatched roof. It had a dirt floor, so we'd rake the floor all pretty. We'd wash our bedding and put the bedding out as nice tablecloths. I'd go into the jungle and pick all the flowers and make it absolutely beautiful. And then once a month, I would believe God for a bit of chicken or something, sometimes a bit of fish, and I would just chop it up real small pieces so everyone could have a little piece. But the thing is, the smell of the, the chicken cooking made everybody happy. So on love feast nights, I was everyone's hero. Everyone was nice to me on love feast day because they knew I was the distributor of chicken. So this one night, at Love Feast, everyone's outside. We used to get them all dressed up in their Sunday best sort of thing for, for Love Feast. They were all waiting to come in. And our tradition was that we would put the food on the table and have them come in, have the meal, and then we had a special service after. So I was getting all the platters ready. I dished up all the chicken. And then I was going after putting out the vegetables and everything. And I looked at the chicken platters, and there was these ants were coming up off the dirt floor, up the lake, and into the chicken platters. 
And I thought, oh my gosh, there was hundreds of chicken, hundreds of little ants all over the chicken. And I was trying to pick them off, but you couldn't pick them off. They were just in, in vain. I said, God, I need a rapture practice. This is the only day of the month that they even like me. And now they're going to have destroyed chicken. I have to throw it all out. And they're not going to get their chicken. They've been waiting all day for it. What am I going to do? And he gave me a divine solution. He is a solutionary. And he said, turn up the oven as high as you can get. It was a propane oven. I turned it up as high. I said, okay, now what? He said, put the chicken in there and fry those little suckers. <laughs> and that's what happened. And they all went like dry little crispies. And they looked like part of the chicken coating when I took them out. <laughs> Had everybody come in. Nobody even asked about what the little crumbs were. I never told anyone till three months later. I had two helpers in the kitchen that helped me get it ready. And I said, don't you tell anyone. This is our secret. Everyone was so happy that night to have the chicken. But now, you see, when the heavens were open, we had chicken, we had hamburger. And then a busload of people came from a local church and brought a busload of USDA agriculture products. We had peanut butter, canned vegetables, cheeses. I mean, everything. I mean, it just kept coming and coming and coming because of the repentance from grumbling and complaining. And some of you... I'm just being a little mama here right now. Some of you just need to get rid of the grumbling and complaining. You need to stop looking at what you don't have and be thankful for what you do have and live in an environment of thanksgiving. Because when you grumble and complain, you are actually cursing your provision. But Jesus, he didn't curse it. He blessed it. He didn't say, oh, man, Father, can you believe this? Five loaves, what are we going to do with that for 5,000 people? What, do you want me to call down fire and consume them? No. He blessed them. And then you know what he did? It says he broke them. And he gave to his disciples bread and fish to give out. Now, this is how the miracle took place. I want you to note something. You can read through and through that scripture, and you will never find a catering truck show up. It wasn't all of a sudden there was enough food for 5,000 people. It didn't come like that. Sometimes we're waiting for a miracle and saying, when my ship comes in, then I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to do that. When I get the big mother load, then I'm going to be able to fulfill God's plan. But you see, the replenishment anointing miracle, it doesn't work like that. It works like this. So Jesus is breaking up five loaves amongst 12 disciples. That's not going to be very much in their hand. But they go to the first one. They said, have some bread. And the first one took as much as they wanted. What? You must be really hungry. You took it all. But then I have to go to the next person. And as I'm going to the next one, I have enough to give to them. Wow. Gets replenished again. And I have enough to go to the next one. And then I have enough to go to the next one. And everyone took what they needed. And at the end, there was 5,000 people fed. But not only that, you see, with the replenishment miracles that God does, there's increase with it. It's not just replenishment, there's increase. 
more than what you had before. So here's this little boy that gave up his basket with the five loaves and the two fish. And at the end of it, there's an increase. It starts to happen. All of a sudden, there's overflow. And at the end, there's 12 baskets left over. Now, I was in Egypt a couple of years back. And a pastor that really knows the history of that day and knows the way that it worked said, you know, everyone thinks that those baskets were like little bread baskets. They weren't. They were man-sized baskets. He said, because in that day, they used the baskets to bring the lame and the sick to the meetings to be healed by Jesus. And when Jesus healed them, they got out of the baskets. There was 12 man-sized baskets left over that were full of bread left over. Abundance. And healing, by the way, is the children's what? Bread. So I wonder who got the 12 baskets full of bread. Probably the little boy. Because he says, when, it, when you give, it shall be given back unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He became a millionaire that day. He became wealthy that day because of his yieldedness to God and what God did with it through replenishment anointing. Now, years ago, when our boys were little, our first replenishment miracle of this sort was my husband was out with the boys skating on a lake that was near our home. I was at home making chicken dinner for our Sunday dinner. I had a chicken in the oven and roast potatoes and stuff like that. And we didn't have cell phones back in the day. In fact, they're, they're fairly recent, <laughs> cell phones are. But um, my husband met a whole bunch of family and friends at the lake. And he says, oh, Patricia's at home making chicken dinner. Come on back. You know, I guess, you know, you just think, well, your wife's making chicken dinner. I mean, there ought to be enough for everyone. I guess he never even thought of it. It was a setup. So he comes home, and all through the door, all these people are coming. And including our family, there was 19 people that I had to feed with the little chicken in the oven. Now that morning, I just read this scripture. That morning, before church, I was having my devotion, and I was looking, I thought, that would be really cool to see a miracle like that. <laughs> But when I saw 19 people in the house for dinner, I did panic a little bit, and I looked at that chicken, and it seemed to shrink in size in my eyes. And I said, okay, God, this is a time for a miracle. So I got my husband to get a, a big sheet of plywood to put over the, the table, and we set up for, for the people, and I added some vegetables into the pot, and I said, but chicken, <laughs> you're going to have to grow. And so I blessed the chicken, and I sliced it, and I sliced it in such small pieces, and I thought, if everyone's really sensitive, and they take one little slice, we can probably get around this table. This will work. God, make the people sensitive. But he didn't. <laughs> so we pray a blessing. I asked a blessing on the food that night. I said, excuse me, I will ask a blessing on the food. Everyone's having a good time. They're talking with one another. And all I can think about is, how is this chicken platter going to go around? And so I blessed it, and I passed it to the first person, thinking, okay, God, you're going to answer my prayer. Everyone's going to be sensitive, but they weren't. And the first person took a great big heaping portion of chicken. 
And my heart sunk. I thought, oh, Lord. Oh. He just about took the whole platter. I guess, you know, being out in the fresh air, he was hungry. But then the next person took the same amount, and the next person took the same amount, and I'm panicking until halfway around the table, I look at all the plates, and they're piled up with chicken, and there's still the same amount of chicken on the platter as what they started with. It goes all the way around to our family. I put our family last, and it wasn't because of faith. It was because I was thinking, okay, if this doesn't make it all the way around, we can do without but not only did it make its way around, we took honking big portions ourselves, and there was still a full platter of chicken left. Some people had seconds, some people had thirds, and we had chicken for three days after. We had chicken sandwiches, chicken casseroles, chicken, 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 everything for three days. It was a miracle. It's called replenishment. And God wants to do it so that you never run out. And that's not the only story in the Bible. It's not the only time when Jesus models, when the Lord models replenishment miracles. I love that I got to work that replenishment miracle of the chicken because later on, when we were on the mission field, there was times when we needed to believe for multiplication of food. When we were feeding the poor and we only had a little bit of food and the masses were out there, we just kept serving it out. But as we served it, it replenished. It just kept replenishing. And we always had something left over. Amazing. What about the widow of Zarephath in 1 Kings 17, 7 to 16? The Lord speaks to Elijah, and he said, Elijah, I want you to go to Zarephath, and I have commanded a widow to provide for you. So he obeys the Lord. He goes to Zarephath, and there's the woman. The widow woman is there. And he says to the widow woman, he says, can you go bring me some water? Which the land is in a drought, so that's huge. You understand the, her, her, her sacrifice. So she goes to get him water, and she says, and, and then he says, oh, and by the way, would you also bring me back a little bread cake? I want something to eat. And she says, I'm telling you the truth. By God, I'm telling you the truth, is I cannot do that because all I have is a tiny little bit of flour and a tiny little bit of oil, and I'm planning on making a little bread cake for my son and I that we will share, and then we will die. That was her expectation. That's all she could think of. But you see, God had told the prophet, she's going to provide for you. So that didn't match up in his mind. So you know what he knew? We're going to go into the miracle dimension. This is miracle provision time. You see, when there's not enough in the natural, that means you're going to kick him to the supernatural. And when you have expectation for the supernatural, you will see it work. So he says to her, he says, okay, just go and do as you have said, but don't eat the bread cake, bring it to me. I remember as a young Christian reading that, and I think, how selfish is that? There's a widow woman and her son, and he wants to eat her cake. I didn't understand it, but it's because... He was going to work a miracle for her. She didn't have faith for the miracle, but he did. Come on, saints. The world out there, they don't have faith for miracle when they're in a hard place. But do you have faith for them? Elijah had faith for her. So he said, bring me the cake. Then when she did, he said, now go make one for you and your son. How is that possible? She just used up all the flour and all the oil to make him his cake. And then he says, now, now you go back, go back and make one for you and your son. She didn't question it. 
She went back to what in the natural would have been an empty flower bin and an empty oil can. And she went back by faith and there was a replenishment of the flour and a replenishment of the oil enough to make for her and her son. But the thing is, the Bible says it continued to replenish throughout the entire drought and she hosted Elijah in her home. He stayed in that widow's home and it says that the Lord provided for the whole household so it wasn't just her and her son there was others maybe other relatives that came into that home but whoever came into the home was fed because of replenishment miracle that never ran out God wants you to live in that realm that's an Old Testament example how much more in the New Testament the latter glory of the house is greater than the former okay Elisha in Elisha's day, he also helps out a woman. This one is horrible. Her husband has died. And her house had a mortgage on it. And she was upside down. And she couldn't pay it. And she had two boys. And the creditors came to her. This is out of uh, 2 Kings 4, 1-7. The creditors came to her and said, We're coming for your house. And we're coming for your boys. Because you can't pay your bill. That is a bad day. She's already lost her husband. Now she's going to lose her house and her children. It doesn't get much worse than that. And she's in despair. But an entrepreneur anointing comes upon her when the prophet said, Hey, what do you have? Not what you don't have. What do you have? She says, All I have, and I swear to you this is the truth, all I have is this little bit of jar, that's this little jar with a little bit of oil. And he says, okay, go out and borrow as many vessels as you can from your, from your neighbors. Just go out and bring as many as you can. So she did. She obeyed that unction, and she brought them all back. And when there was no more, he closed the doors, and they worked a miracle. How? It was replenishment. It wasn't like all of a sudden all the jars were full. It tells you exactly how it happened. They poured of the oil that she had into the next vessel. And when she did, that vessel filled up and this one was replenished. And then she pours into the next one and the next one. And it kept replenishing, replenishing, replenishing. And when everything was all full of oil, he said, now go sell this oil and it will be enough for you to pay off your creditors and it'll be enough to look after you and your sons for your days. Come on. God's not a respecter of persons. He's not a respecter of persons. Do you need a miracle? This replenishment anointing, it is available to you. It's available to you. It's available to me. It's available to every believer. Replenish strength. What about that? You know, it's not just about provision for paying your bills or whatever. It's about everything. I remember one day I just, I got home one night and I was bagged. I was drained. But I still had a meeting to host in my own home. And I said, oh, man, I've got a whole bunch of people coming in less than an hour. They're going to come, and I've got a minister in a meeting. 
And I was thinking, oh, man, maybe I should call it a short one. We'll just do a half hour teaching and send them all home. And the Lord said, not. And he said, don't you think I can replenish your strength? You've been serving me all day long. You've been just pouring out. You've been planting seed, strength seed. You've been giving strength away all day long for my purposes. Why don't you just ask me to replenish you in strength? Why don't you just ask me, hello, ask me. So I said, okay, I ask and I receive. And bingo, it was like immediately I felt a refreshment. My guests came in for the meeting. They stayed there for hours. In fact, it was after 11 where some were still hanging out in the kitchen talking about the things of God and that. And I had energy to spare because this replenishment is available to us. It's available to you anytime that you need it. And replenishment of your time. How often have you heard, I just don't have time. I don't have time. People ask me all the time, how do you have time to do what you do? It's replenishment. In order to get time, you have to spend time. I shared a testimony. I believe I shared this over the weekend where I was in my office one day when I first came to understand this miracle, and I had a stack of administration I was working on all day long, and the mountain wasn't going anywhere. I had even rebuked the mountain. Mountain, be thou removed. And it didn't move, it just kept swelling, right? And so finally, around 5 o'clock at night, I look at it, and I thought, oh, I'm overwhelmed. I have dinner scheduled with my husband at 6 o'clock, which is less than an hour from now, and... I have to pack to go out of town first thing in the morning. I'm not packed yet. Haven't done the laundry yet. And it's my favorite crime show tonight that I want to watch before I go away. And yet I've got this mountain of administration. I thought, I'm not going to get finished this till morning. It'll take me forever to do this. And I start to whine and complain. And the Lord said, <clears throat> have you forgot about me? He said, you have sown time into my kingdom. Every single day, you sow time into me joyfully. He said, do you understand how much time you have in your heavenly bank account? And with interest, do you understand how much time you have available? You see, time is a created substance. It's not just, you know, time is your servant. You're not its slave. Time is your servant. It's a created substance. God created it in Genesis 1 when he created day and he created night. And so he said, why don't you just receive time? Just receive it by faith. I'll replenish your time. And so I just sat there and I received it. I didn't feel anything. I had no lightning bolts from heaven to fall. I didn't have anything, just, just faith in what God had told me to do. And then I just kept working on the pile and I worked and I worked on the pile. And before I knew it, the pile was gone. I looked at the clock and it was just before 6 o'clock. I don't know how I managed to get all that done in less than an hour. But I did because of God, God's equation, his replenishment, anointing. He wants to replenish everything about your life. He wants to replenish everything because he loves you. He'll replenish clothing. Ladies, if you want a new wardrobe, I can tell you how to get it. You sew it, and I'm not talking about S-E-W. Just sew your clothes. Just give it away. When we went out to the mission field initially, 
You know, I had like just buckets of clothing that I packed. But when I got to the mission field, I saw that there was missionaries there who hadn't had a new outfit in a long time. And I gave away all my clothes. I just kept three outfits to wear myself and I gave everything away. And it just kept replenishing when I got home. I won't go into all the detail of the story, but it was miracle provision. I've got so many clothes now. I've got so many clothes, I can't give them away fast enough. Can't give them away fast enough because they keep replenishing. Every time I give it away, it just gets more and more hanging in my closet. I tell you, every time on the mission fields and this everywhere, it's just crazy. Okay. Replenished finances. I mean, I, I don't think I need to do any more, do any more examples. I think you got it, right? I, I, could, I could fill books of testimony of God's replenishment. But let me give you a, a few keys that will help you practically. First of all, Jesus said, go look. Go look. When in need, don't look at what you don't have. Look for what you do have. Even if it seems significant, what is significant could be your catalyst for a miracle. Secondly, cultivate expectation. Prepare for your miracle. Jesus began to seat the crowds in groups of 50s and 100s. Elisha told the widow to go and get um, all the jars and everything to get ready. Um, you know, just make provision. Cultivate an expectation. Thirdly, be heavenly focused. Your natural earthly dimension does not contain what you need. As long as you're working, looking to the world to produce your miracle, you're going to fall short of what God can do. It's God first. He can make the world obey you. But don't look to the world as your source. And don't look to your own talents, gifts, and your own goodness as your source. God is your source. Look to heaven. Look to him. Be heavenly focused. And set your mind on the supernatural. Let your, let your faith arise in that. Number four, bless your provision. Don't curse it. Proclaim blessing over your provision. You might be sitting there saying, yes, but Patricia, you don't know how little I have. No, you've got provision. That's beautiful. Do you know that there's always someone that has less than you? And there's always someone that has more than you. So don't compare yourself to another. Just look at what you do have and be thankful for it. And thank God for his goodness. Because whatever you have, you can praise him for his goodness in your life. Bless your provision. Don't murmur and complain. Don't curse it. And then keep giving. Keep giving. When in need, never withhold. A withholding spirit will cut off your supply. And remember, the catering truck never did show up to feed 5,000 people. Don't wait for your big ship to come in. Don't say, oh, man, when my ship comes in, then I'm going to fulfill my mission mandate. If you go and take the first step, you'll find provision in that step. And when you have the next need, it'll be there. And the next need, it will be there. But just keep moving forward with it. Move forward with it. Don't just sit back and wait for something, what you would call big, to happen before you take action. The disciples, they wanted to send everyone away because all they could see was the little bit that was in their hand. And they thought, we don't have a catering truck here. And Jesus said, you don't need one. You just need a bit of bread in your hand. And you need to give it to the person in front of you. And then when you need it for the next person, it will be there. And when you need it for the next person, it will be there. And before you know it, not only will you have fed the multitudes, but there'll be 12 baskets left over. Hallelujah. Amen. 
How many of you are getting something from this? How many of you are getting what I call a divine alignment? Isn't it beautiful when God so beautifully just calls us saying, you know what, that little attitude you had, can you see how naughty that was? He's so sweet the way he says it, right? Can you see how naughty that was? Now, come this way and you'll see a miracle. That's the way Daddy God treats you. He's so beautiful that way because he loves you. And when he brings correction, it's for you, not against you. It's always for you. It's always because he loves you. And it's always because he wants your highest good. Because every believer is to live in the fullness of the supernatural. Every believer. You are called to greatness. You are called to live in the bounty of the Lord. You are called to walk with God in wealth. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray for you in a moment, but I'm just prompted to share this. I have two books that, unfortunately, I didn't think to bring to this event. One of them is called Blessed to Bless, and it's about the, the benefactor anointing that I shared on this morning. You can get it on Amazon or, you know, a lot of the major bookstores. And the other one is called The Replenishment Anointing, okay? Blessed to Bless and Replenishment Anointing. They're on Amazon Kindle, and that, they're easy to, to get. And th those might be helpful tools for you. But I want to... I just want to pray for this replenishment anointing to just kind of fall on you like dew from heaven. How many of you would like that? You know, and establish it in your heart so that you can work this anointing in every area of your life and you can help other people come into it as well. Because God's not a respecter of persons. What he's done for one, he'll do for you. What he did for his disciples, he'll do for you. What he did for the 5,000, he'll do for you. What he did for Elijah and Elisha, he will do for you and through you. Amen? So stand to your feet right now, and let's receive a saturation due from heaven. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your goodness. You are so good to reveal all your beautiful things that you have, that that you died to give to us, that you hung on that cross to give us all that you are and all that you have. And there is replenishment, anointing to work replenishment miracles for every believer. And Lord, that we are not only going to exercise it in our own lives, but we are going to take it to the world that we live in and show them what a great God you are. We're going to care for the poor. We're going to work miracles for those who need miracles, who need to see the hand of God move. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, drop the dew right now. In Jesus' name, drop the dew of replenishment anointing upon your people. Now, I want you to say, I've got it. I've got it. It's, mine. it's mine. What is yours? <laughs> you have the replenishment anointing now, right? You've, you've got it? Are you taking ownership of it? If you were here this morning, you got the benefactor anointing, you got the replenishment anointing. I mean, you're just all oiled up. Amen? You're ready to go. And you're ready to work miracles, signs and wonders in the world that you live in and make this world a better place. Because you're called to mark the world with the sign of Jesus himself. Give him a big praise right now. God bless you.